Some of you are looking up here this morning going, he's back again. What is the deal? <laughs> Good to see you again this morning. My name is Andy Stovall. I'm the Congregational Life Pastor here at, well, at the bridge in Princeton is where I'm the Congregational Life Pastor. But look, I just feel like we're one church. We got four or five locations and I just... Love them all. So, love being here with you guys. So honored to be here with you guys. So thankful to be here with you guys. Uh, but I do want to talk to you for just a moment uh, before I get into the message today as to why you're seeing me here again this morning. Some of you are already aware. Some of you were in a meeting that we had with our owners on Wednesday at 6.30. But a couple of weeks ago, um, Pastor Ryan went home and Jessica was not there. She uh, had left a note, and they're going through some stuff. They're both in counseling. They are both working through it. We have been in very close contact with Pastor Ryan, with Jessica, with the family. Uh, they're in counseling individually. They're going to be in counseling together. Um, his counselor has recommended a 60-day sabbatical, um, which basically began last week. And, um, and what we're going to do is the elders of the church are aware. They know what's going on. And we're going to love this family well. We're going to be there for them. Uh, it is a 60-day paid sabbatical. So his family will not go without. His, his kids will be taken care of. We're going to look after this family. We're going to love on them. Uh, we can be, and I'm not talking about the bridge Goldsboro. I'm just talking about in Christendom. Sometimes we can be really quick to shoot our wounded, and we're not doing that. We're going to love on some people, aren't we? Don't we love Pastor Ryan and Jessica and their family? Yes. And we're going to be there for them. We're going to stand in the gap with them, and we're believing God for great things better. I told him the other day, I said, my prayer is for redemption in your marriage. I want newness of life to be breathed into your relationship. Now, here's... Let me say this too. I didn't mention one of these things in the early service. So if you know any folks that go to the early service, mention this to them as well. But um, what I don't want you to do is bombard them with texts and emails and you know, messages on Facebook and all that because that can be overwhelming and just blow them up today. You know? But if you want to intermittently throughout it, if you want to send a message and say, hey, we love you, we're praying for you. That's it. Don't say, hey, what's going on? What are you doing? You know, I heard blah, blah, blah. We're going to be a part of the solution. We ain't getting in to know if we hear this, we're going to shut it down. Now, don't punch nobody in the face, but we're going to say, we're not talking about that, right? Because we're about, we're about them healing, and we're about them uh, uh, becoming whole. I, I want to go ahead and dispel something else, because I know how the mind works, and when you don't have information, you just start making assumptions and thinking this and that and the other. There's no moral failure going on here, okay? Uh, anybody been married for a little bit? <clears throat> you ever had a bump? Yeah. You know what? The, you know the benefit you had that, that I don't have and Pastor Ryan don't have is your job doesn't require you to stand up here every Sunday, okay? There have been some times we've had some bumps and we just needed to do, have a little escape, didn't we? Take some time away and be with our family and be with the people that we love, and that's what we're affording them. So that's what we're going to do. Uh, the other thing that I want to do, so in saying all of that, I, I'm going to say probably what is the obvious. You're stuck with me for a few weeks now. So, thank you. 
I said that in early service, and it was crickets. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Pastor Jim, we need somebody else to come do this. <laughs> they ain't feeling it, okay? Um, but uh, thank you. I'm humbled. I'm honored. Uh, and, and we're going to keep doing the work of the Lord, and we're going to keep doing what God's called us to do. Man, we're going to jump into bridge groups, and it's going to be the best semester we've ever had. We got twice as many groups as, we've been, as we have had, so that's a blessing. But the other thing we're going to do in this 60 days is I'm calling us to prayer and fasting. Okay, What I want you to do, you figure out what that looks like, but one day a week, I'm asking you to fast. You can fast a meal. You can, fa you can fast the whole day. Um, I'm going to fast the whole day. Uh, once a week throughout the course of this journey. And we're just believing God. We're praying. I want you to pray for Pastor Ryan and Jessica and their family, their children, uh, and pray for the church. Pray for us corporately as we continue to do what we know God has called us to do. Okay? So um, with that being said, I want you to bow your heads with me because I feel like this is a very appropriate time for us to lift them up. All right? Would you pray with me? Father, we just thank you so much for your goodness and your grace in our lives. And we thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. The thing that we are certain of in this life is that there is uncertainty. <laughs> That's what we can be assured of as we journey uh, in, this, in this life on this earth. But God, the other thing that is, that is true and that is the constant uh, is that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same God that was walking with us and, and going on this journey with us as a local uh, body of believers three weeks ago. You are the same God today. You haven't changed. You haven't moved. You haven't wavered in our calling. And so, Lord, we look to you right now for wisdom, for grace, for strength, for understanding. Help us to... Um, do a, a job that is going to affirm you and is going to bring nothing but glory to your name and the work of Christ. Lord, for Ryan and Jessica, we pray for them as a couple. I do pray not just for reconciliation, but I pray for redemption. I pray for newness. I pray for healing like they've never known before. And, um, and God, we just expect to hear some great, great reports of what you're going to do. God, pray for the kids. Put a hedge of protection around them. Uh, help us love them well. That's my ultimate prayer. I want us to love them well so that we can look on the other side of this and, and, and be proud that you showed up in a, in a very powerful way and we were obedient to what you called us to do. It's in Jesus' name we pray all of these things. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, guys, thank you so much. Um, you know, it's, it's not fun to start a sermon that way, but let's jump right in to the sermon. Thank you so much for your hearts. Thank you for your love for them. Keep that up and keep showing it to them, okay? All right. If you have your uh, phones with you today, in the app, if you have the Bridge NC app, you can go into that app, look up the Bridge Goldsboro, and the sermon notes are there. I always wait until I'm about 10 minutes into the sermon before I remember to tell you guys that. And so I wanted to tell you that today. So we are in Sermon 4 of Sound On. All right. Last week, what did we learn? We were, we were trying to figure out, am I really hearing from God or is this just pizza I had too late on Saturday night? Right. Um, today, we're going to be talking about acting by faith. 
we're going to be looking at this whole notion of, okay, I've heard from God, now what do I do with what I have heard from Him? Uh, the basic message I want you to understand here today is God wants to do something great in your life. God's got a plan for you. Okay? Can somebody say amen to that? It's not just you uh, coming to Jesus and getting up on Sunday morning and going to church and that's all you do. I mean, we sit in here and we have coffee and it's awesome and I love it. And all that's great, but there's way more to life than just living and dying and, and, and then that's it. Um, God wants to do something great in your life and it's through faith in Him that He does it. The Bible says in Matthew 9, 29, according to your faith, it will be done to you. According to your faith. Somebody say, according to your faith. It'll be done to you. Now, what does that mean? It means that uh, the amount of, of, of exercise that we put into our faith, then that's what it will, the, the, the reciprocation of that, the outcome of that will be God will bless. God will pour into us, into our lives, into our careers, into our family, into our schools, in, uh, if we're doing education or whatever, into finances. However we walk that thing out, how much faith we, we put forward, that's what God's going to do. You know, if you, if you talk about, if I stood here for 25 years and said, one day I'm jumping off this stage. One day I'm going to do it. One day, you know, I'll jump off that stage, don't you, Nick? One day I'll jump off this, but I never do, but I always talk about it. And I always talk about it. And I always, well, God's waiting. He's like, okay, and when you do, man, there's going to be such a blessing. There's going to be such a, there's a thing that I'm going to do in your life that's going to be beyond anything you could ever imagine. But we never do it, and we stand, and we stand. And I look out in the audience today, and I know a lot of you that are out here, some of you are business owners. And I remember when you, Jamie, I remember when you started your, your business, and, and it was a leap of faith. And I remember going to, to Mitchell's and you were in school and they were, she, was, she does hair and she was cutting my hair and then somebody would come behind her and they'd do a little bit and they'd tell her what to do. And now she's fantastic and she does it all on her own. But she took a step of faith and she said, I'm going to do this thing. I want to do this. This is a passion of mine. It's a dream of mine. It's something God has put in my heart. And, and so she did it. And God has something for you that he wants you to do, but he's waiting on you to trust him. To step out. What is the definition of faith? Now, this is not the Webster's definition of faith. This is, this is a little fella from Georgia. Thank you for letting me call myself a little fella uh, from Georgia. Um, but, but faith is stepping out on nothing and finding something there. Faith is stepping out on nothing and finding something there. But really, when we step out in faith in God, we really aren't stepping out on nothing, are we? We're stepping out on His authority. We're stepping out in His grace. We're stepping out into the calling. So um, when we talk about this whole notion of faith, this idea of faith, how many of you would agree that, man, it would be nice to exercise more in my life? I would like to have more faith, you know? How many of you have said, yeah, I'm going to go do something, and I'm not, I'm not sure that that's what... In anything, but especially in our walk with God. You know, any time the preacher gets to talking about finances, you know, we can talk about our time and we can talk about our talents. And then we talk about treasure. Of course, the preacher's going to, you know, and, and we're like, mm. and God wants us to, to have more faith as it relates to our finances, to, as it relates to our families, as it relates to our jobs. Um, so the purpose of this series is for us to learn how to exercise our faith. 
If you do not exercise your muscles, what happens? They atrophy, right? You lose muscle if you don't exercise. I got hurt about seven years ago. I was uh, pretty much homebound for four months. Um, not up much and kind of stuck at the, um, at the house. And, and I was in a wheelchair part of the time, on crutches a part of the time. But non-weight bearing on my left leg. And I could not believe in a month how much muscle I had lost. And how much I gained back just by getting up and walking. Much less going to uh, Planet Fitness or Goals Gym or whatever you, know, you do if you ride a bike or whatever. So if we, if we exercise though and we, we train properly, we gain muscle. The same thing's true of our faith. If we exercise it and we use it and we train properly, uh, then we won't lose it. We'll continue to gain strength and our faith, and our confidence, and our trust in the God that we serve. And I want to talk to you today about six very clear, precise, predictable phases that you go through when it comes to exercising our faith. So, so you believe you hear from God, and we start out and we say, okay, this is God spoke to me, and I'm going to do this thing, and I believe God has called me to this. And, and so we start out, and then it gets hard, and before we know it, we, we bail out on our faith before we get to the place that God wanted us to get. We bail out on the dream. We hear from God, but we start looking around at everything going on. We look at the circumstances. We look at all this stuff that's on the periphery, and we get our eyes off of the most important thing, and that is the one who called us to this. And so we lose hope. We get discouraged. We cut it short. And then what happens is we end up, we have to start all over again. So where does it begin? Where does this whole notion of building our faith begin? It begins with a dream. It begins with a dream. We dream that one day we would be in a facility that when the train comes by, the screen shakes on the wall. It's unbelievable. I didn't know it did that until today. Uh, Gage, we need to check the screws in that thing. because uh, It's just, you know, doing... <clears throat> no, we had a dream years ago five or six years before the Bridge Goldsboro even came to be, we had a dream that we were going to be multi-site. And this was something God was going to do. And we were in the Barnyard Shopping Center down in the bowl, the, the salad bowl of Goldsboro, North Carolina. So, uh, or the water bowl, I guess is what it is. Because anytime it rains, it just all goes there. And, um, you know, poor, poor folks that have been there for a long time. But then God opened up a door for us to come here. Somebody in the city of Goldsboro said, hey, I know you guys are kind of looking. You're interested in a new facility, maybe a bigger facility. And I, we got the perfect place for you. And I walked in this building. And there was, a, there was an organ right there at the front door. And there, was, there were dead birds all over the floor. I was like, this is like some kind of Stephen King movie or something. What? <laughs> What is the deal? It smelled to high heaven. I mean, it was horrible in here. And I just, I mean, call it a lack of faith. I walked in and I was like, this can not be anything that we would ever want to use. And lo and behold, look where we are today. We got in here, the, the facility right beside us where we have bridge kids was a, it was a business. 
They were, they were, doing, they were repairing appliances and washing machines and all kinds of stuff. And, and so they, they were down there, and, and, and the Lord opened up a door after about a year and a half of being here that we were able to acquire that. Some of you were on that journey. Saw that happen, and after we had been here for a while, I mean, look around you. There's a lot of people sitting in here. After we had been here a little while, we discovered, you know what? We need more space down the street or, or down the walkway. Uh, nothing was available. Right beside us is a business. Beside that was a business. Beside that was a business. Well, there happened to be a TV repair shop down the sidewalk, and we had been praying Lord, please make a way. Lord, open up a door. Lord, we, you know we need space, and, and we don't know where we're going to get it, but we love this location. We want to stay right here, but something needs to open up. And, and we're in a meeting in the foyer one day, and lo and behold, we get a call. Somebody in the church, they said, hey, are you guys meeting today? Yeah. Are you okay? Yeah, we're fine. Why? There's a fire in the TV repair shop right down the sidewalk from you. Now, Pastor Jeremy had been fervently praying for a space to open up. So immediately, we all went, what did you do? <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and so, as it worked out that we had, we had that go on, it turned out that was an obstacle for that business. But how many of you have had obstacles that have come in your life that you found out later were one of the greatest opportunities that God ever afforded you? And it was a great opportunity for that business, and it became a great opportunity for us, and that became the Bridge Annex. But this was a dream. It started as a dream. Noah dreamed of building an ark. Um, Moses dreamed of setting slaves free. Jabez dreamed of acquiring land, and Gideon dreamed of freeing his nation. But the bottom line is nothing started happening until somebody started dreaming. But how do we know the dreams from God? Uh, Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. Uh, one translation says, To him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond all we could ever ask or think. If, if it's from God, it's going to be bigger than you. Okay? It's going to be bigger than your understanding. It's going to be bigger than your wisdom. It's going to be bigger than your experience. It's going to be way bigger than you. It's going to be a God-sized dream. That's how we know it's in, from God. The other way we know it's from God, it lines up with Scripture. Another way we know it's from God is it lines up with our gifting. What is His will for our life? How has He shaped us? How has He made us? Remember, Hebrews eleven six. without faith, it is impossible to please God. So uh, God's, his size dreams are huge. They're big. They're, they're massive. And God has spoken to many of you. And there are a lot of us that are here today that have never taken that step out to follow that dream. This past Monday, we celebrated uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday. I should have mentioned that last week, and it just totally, so I apologize for that. But he had a dream. He gave a speech. Uh, and, and, it, and it's one that, that has lasted since the day he made that speech in 1963. It was a six-page speech. Single space, six-page. And one of the things, and, and this is a, 
uh, an excerpt from that speech that you're very, very familiar with. He said, I had a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. He said, I have a dream. And he goes on and on and on about this dream. And how many of you would agree that since 1963, we've come a long way, baby? We got a long way to go, amen? But we've come a long way. And that dream, just a few years later, in 1968, uh, when the horrible tragedy of his assassination took place, that dream didn't die. You know why it didn't die? Because it was a God-sized dream. God had given him that dream. God had placed it on his heart. And, and one man or one woman doesn't kill that dream. But what God wants us to do is have the boldness to take a step out in faith and say, yes, I'm going to do what God has called me to do. And that brings us to phase number two. And that is the decision portion of the dream. We made a decision to, to come here. Dr. Martin Luther King made a decision. I'm going to step up and I'm going to, I'm going to stand for something that is not popular, but it is right. And I'm going to take a stand for that. And it made a huge impact in the world that we live in. What is it that God's calling you to do that is going to make an enormous impact on this world that you got to stand for, what it, for, for the truth of that? And the first part of standing is making a decision. I'm going to follow the dream. Dreams are worthless until we wake up and do something. Choices determine whether we succeed or fail. Can I say that again? Choices determine whether we succeed or fail. I meet so many people week in and week out who point all around them except at themselves and acknowledge I got some stuff in me that I need to work out in order to get past this thing that I'm dealing with. We are a direct result of the choices that we make. Period. We are a result of those things, okay? We make choices, good decisions, bad decisions. If you make a choice today to walk out into Berkeley Boulevard without a vest or a plan, or you know, dodging traffic being the plan, you're going to get hurt, all right? We are, a, we are a result of our choices. They determine our success or failure. James 1, beginning in verse 6, says, But when you ask... You must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is what? Double-minded and unstable in all of his ways. So we must ask, believe, and not doubt. Double-minded men, women are unstable in everything that they do. Faith is a verb. It is active. It is not passive. So there has to be a decision that follows that. Now there are two things that come with that decision. First we have to decide, and I don't think I put this in your notes, we have to decide to invest. We have to decide to make an investment. Uh, it's going to cost us something, right? To follow a dream. If you've ever followed a dream, you know the cost. If you're, a, like I was talking before, if you're a business owner, you know the cost of following your dream. It's equipment. It's all this stuff. But it costs you time, money, reputation. It'll cost you a piece of your life if you follow a dream. The other thing 
is it will uh, cause you to, you're going to have to decide to let some things go. How many of you know that you can't do 19 things great? Ain't nobody that good. All right? Even uh, multi-sport athletes, as gifted as they are, there's one thing they're always better at than the other. Right? If they do baseball and football, those are the ones that I've known in the course of my lifetime. Uh, typically, there's one thing that they just excel at. They just do it better. Uh, but you've got to decide to let things go. And you know how many people, how, how, how many things most people do well? Maybe one, two, three, if you just have tremendous high capacity. But I'm talking about with excellence. You've got to decide, what are the things that I'm going to pour my life into? And man, I want to go after that. I want to do that well. I want to do that with excellence. See, a trapeze artist, they got to let go. Or they ain't a trapeze artist. They just swinging. <laughs> I, I can do that. I can be a trapeze artist. That don't make me a trapeze artist. You know what does? Woo! And then catch it. <laughs> Letting go and catch it. So we got to let go of some things. Listen to me now. we got to let go of some things because the only way you can catch what God is doing, can you do it with full hands? Nope. they got to be empty. That's good right there. That's my baseball analogy. You're welcome. <laughs> That's a freebie. Abraham left his home for a place he'd never seen. Moses left the palace to lead slaves. Peter left the safety of a boat to walk on water. He never would have done it if he hadn't have got out of the boat. These people were not just dreamers. They were decision makers. So you got the dream. You got the decision. All right, everybody take your invisible seatbelt and put it on. Because it's about to get bumpy. All right. Phase number three. The delay phase. Woo! We love it, don't we? Now, to anybody who works with the DMV, God bless you, I love you, and you are necessary, okay? <laughs> but the greatest day of my life, well, no, it's not, but it was a good day, was when I found out that I could renew my tags online. Glory to God. I don't know. I, I, it, don't, it just don't seem like that many people live in the city of Goldsboro. But anytime I go to the DMV, they're out the door. It's like, what are they giving away? There's gold in this place or something. I don't know. But there's always a line. And God bless the people who are there because everybody's wanting to get in and get out in a real big hurry. And, uh, you know, so thank the Lord for the internet and my ability to do that online. Uh, but we don't like to wait. But Habakkuk 2.3 says, The revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, listen, though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. The revelation awaits an appointed time. So God's given you a dream. You've made the decision, okay, when's the appointed time? we got to count the cost, don't we? The Bible speaks of that. If we do not count the cost, we are foolish for not counting the cost. We have to have a plan. We have to count the cost. And we have to know that, uh, you know, this waiting, even though it is not fun, it will build a stronger and deeper faith in the end. Noah waited 120 years. Can you imagine building a boat in a place 
where it had never rained, ever. Why are you building this boat, Noah? Because it's going to rain, and there's going to be a flood for 120 years. Can you imagine what he heard? There's Noah. He's a whack job, you know. He's building this boat for the rain that's going to come. How about the day it started raining? And what does the Bible say that God did with the door to the ark? Did it say Noah shut that door? It said God shut that door. And then the next day it was raining. And the next day it was raining. And then those people said, oh my goodness. Maybe he did hear from God. I can't even imagine how he must have felt when they came running over to the side of that boat and they were pounding on it saying, Noah, let us in. We missed it. We were wrong. Who would have thought for 120 years you were right? But he waited. Abraham waited 99 years. Was told he would be the father of many nations. Was told he would have a promised son. He's 99 years old and he's going, what gives? Joseph had a dream. Man, how about that? How about that be the beginning of your dream? I got a dream. I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to step out. I'm going to tell some people about my dream. I'm going to bring them on board along the ride. And then I'm going to get thrown in a well. That's awesome. Great. I think I might have missed something there. David. Jesus. 30 years a carpenter. Three years. Three years in public ministry. Here is... Hopefully something that will help you. In the Bible, delays never, ever destroy God's purpose in your life. They are only intended to bring us to a place of maturity. See, a mark of maturity is understanding that delay is not denial. Delay is not denial. It's just wait. You're going to be ready. You're going to get there. But you're not there yet. How do I know? Because you're throwing a temper tantrum right now. And what I've called you to do, we ain't got no time for temper tantrums. Maybe that's what God's saying. So the common response to delay is doubt. But God is asking, how long can you wait? How long will you trust me? And in the waiting, will you be faithful to continue to grow and develop and become who we need to become. Because if all we do in the waiting is sit and stew, and I can't believe, I'm, you know, and we're not growing and we're not developing, then we're wasting the waiting. So I got some good news and I got some bad news. What you want first? The bad, the bad news. Give me the bad. We're ready. Well, the bad news is we're only halfway through. <laughs> the good news is we're halfway there. <laughs> but it's going to keep getting bumpier as we go. So the fourth phase. The fourth phase, after we have the delay, then we face difficulty. Difficulty. Uh, there are two problems that people typically encounter when, 
when we're going through difficulty. One is circumstances. They're, they're those obstacles along the way uh, that, as I mentioned earlier, can be opportunities. And then the second thing is critics. We mentioned that with Noah. Uh, Moses, you know, uh, delays getting to the promised land. It was an 11-day journey. If they had walked a fairly straight line, it ended up being 40 years. Problems along the way? Do you think they had some issues? Issues with lack of water, snakes, uh, no food. They started complaining, man, we were better off slaves. At least we had three hots and a cot. And it's amazing what people will complain about. Amazing. Um, you know, Joseph, he had his critics. And, of course, we talked about that. But we've been criticized. We, if, you, if you step out and do something, people are going to criticize you. They're going to tell you why it cannot be done. Do you know why? They don't want to see you doing anything they ain't willing to do. Ah, oh, come on. Just, just stay right here in this place. You're fine. You don't need to grow and develop and better yourself because mm, that might mean I need to take a look at some stuff. You know? And everybody's going to grow and develop and do different things. Everybody's calling's different. Everybody's dream's different. But God has given all of us a dream. 1 Peter 1 Verse 6, at the present time, you may be temporarily harassed by all kinds of trials. This is no accident. It happens to prove your faith, which is infinitely more valuable than gold. So we go through these things. We go through these difficulties to increase our faith, to prove our faith, to get us to the place God wants to get us. And I have one more encouraging phase that you will all be so happy is the last encouraging phase that I have and that is the dead end. Okay? Yay! <laughs> we hit the dead end. So we've stepped out. Man, you need to do that. I, I, it's like I'm trying to talk y'all out of it, right? Uh, but you have delay. You have difficulty. And you, you will face some dead ends. Um, when you get here, you're really in the cul-de-sac of God. You're kind of in His cul-de-sac. Where God is saying, there's an opportunity waiting, but you're going to come to this place where it's going to be so frustrating and you're going to feel so defeated that it's just like, you know what? I can't do this anymore. I've got to give up because I can't do this. And you are right. You can't. Do you know how many times I've been faced with stuff in my life and I've looked toward heaven and said, God, I can't do this. And he has said, thank the Lord. You finally, thank my son, you finally got to the place you need to get. When we come to the place where we recognize, I can't do this anymore. I can't do uh, this in my own strength. God says, finally, I've got you where I want you. You're in the cul-de-sac of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. At that time, we were completely overwhelmed. Can you identify with that? Anybody ever been completely overwhelmed? The burden was more than we could bear. In fact, we ourselves, uh, we told ourselves rather that this was the end, a dead end. Yet we now believe that we had this sense of impending disaster so that we might learn to trust not in ourselves, but in God who can raise the dead. Mm. I'm at a dead end. But if I serve a God who can raise the dead, 
Maybe he can raise my marriage. Maybe he can raise my career. Maybe he can raise my self-esteem, my self-doubt. Maybe this God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever can do that, that same work in me. Abraham had a dream. He knew he was going to have a son. He was told by God he would be the father of a great nation. God waited till Abraham was 99. And Abraham, when he came to him, he said, There is no way. I'm in this cul-de-sac. It is a dead end. And I see no way out. And he looked over at his wife and said, The double no way. We ain't having no baby. And God said, Mm-hmm. Now you're ready. Now you're ready. Because here's what's happened. You've come to the end of yourself. We get to the end of ourself. And we say, God, I got nowhere else to turn. And one of the lessons I've learned in this life is we can turn to him a lot quicker. But we got to humble ourselves. We got to let our pride down. We got to quit trying. And we got to get out of the way so that God can get in there and do what only God can do. Jesus crucified, dead, buried. The disciples said, oh my goodness. All this time. He's telling us all this stuff. And now he's, he's gone. I get, I, Peter said, I guess I'm just going to have to go back to fishing. This is it. It's over. This wasn't a dream. It was a nightmare. And three days later, Jesus rose from that tomb in victory. He rose in that tomb. He rose from that tomb as a sign of the victory that he had won over death, hell, and the grave. We reach dead ends a lot of times in our life. Think about Moses with the children of Israel. They get released from Egyptian bondage. All these plagues have taken place and finally, finally, they've gotten to this point. They're leaving and they get to the Red Sea. And what has Pharaoh done? Nah, go get them. There ain't, there's nothing between us and them but that ocean and we're going to get them. They get to the Red Sea, this massive body of water and the Israelites are looking back. And they see impending doom and danger and death. And they look ahead. We're going to drown. Either way, it's over. And what happened? What happened? Deliverance came. Charlton Heston raised the staff. <laughs> see, more of y'all watched this movie than the first service did. <laughs> Moses raised that staff. And what happened? The water parted. They walked through on dry land. When they got through, the water came back down, receded. They never had to lift a finger to fight their enemy. God delivered them from that thing. And that's phase six, deliverance. What are you facing today? What are you facing today that has got you feeling like when I look behind, I don't see anything but despair. And when I look ahead, I don't see anything but impossibility. And God is saying, look at the tree.
Remember Mara? When the children of Israel were in Mara and God said, take the tree, put it in the water, and it will go from bitter to sweet. All through the Old Testament, we have this reference to the tree, to the staff. To, and, and then in the New Testament, what do we see? After hundreds of years of silence, who comes on the scene? Jesus. He dies on a cross. He's placed in a tomb. The tomb that is empty today. And what do we look to over and over and over again as a reminder that the victory is ours? We look to the tree. The cross is empty. or The tomb is empty. The victory has been won. And that's what God's calling us to do today. To look at that cross that He hung on, but He's not still on. To look to that tomb that He was placed in, but He's not still in. 2 Corinthians 1.10 says, He has delivered us, and He will deliver us again. Why do we look back? Why does He give us all of this in the Old Testament? Why do we see all that we see, and then we see... Everything that's in the gospel writings, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, of the faithfulness of God, in Him doing what He said He would do, because God wants to continually remind us, He is the same. And if He did it then, He will do it again. Amen? Amen. What's the best response to a dead end? Psalm 27, 13 says, I'm expecting the Lord to rescue me again so that once again I will see His goodness to me. According to your faith, what are you expecting from God? What are you expecting? What do we think God's going to do? And why has it not happened yet? According to our faith. He's given us a dream. He's given us as a body of believers here at the bridge in Goldsboro. He's given us a vision. A passion to do what He's called us to do. To share the good news of Jesus with a world that desperately needs it. What's He waiting on? And we've stepped out. We stepped out when we moved in here. We stepped out when that facility became available over there. We stepped out when the annex became available. But what's next? Is he done? Is he finished? Or is there more for us to do? I believe there is. I'd like to ask you if you would to stand. And I would like to ask you this simple question. And I, we don't ask you to do this very often. And I know we can't, everybody can't get in this altar. But if, if you would like and you would step to this altar, would you step out and say, God, we trust you. We're believing you. We're going to walk with you for the next thing you have for the bridge. We're believing that. And we're going to take that step of faith because we believe you've given us a dream. And that dream's not over yet. And we're stepping out by faith. Trusting God to bring healing in homes and marriages. Trusting God to bring, to bring healing in our in our city, trusting God to bring healing in our state and trusting God
to bring healing in our nation and world. Would you step out with me today and we close right here in the altar? Would you do it just real quickly? Somebody be first. <clears throat> and let's pray together this morning as we close. At eight minutes after 12, which in and of itself is truly a miracle. So, God, as we step out this morning, we step out by faith, Lord. Believing, God, that you have given us a dream. You have given us a vision. You've given us a purpose in this life. And God, as we step out, Lord, we say yes. We make a decision. And that is we're going to follow you where you send us. We're going to do what you've asked us to do as a local church. As we step out, we're believing for our families and for the children in our community and for everyone who needs a touch from you. I, I got a report about Luke Sanders going and, and, and putting up, I believe it was 11 people in hotel rooms this week because it was so cold out there. We're going to step out and continue being the hands and feet of Jesus to those that are, have been broken down and battered by this world. It's so easy to judge someone else and, and their circumstances when we haven't walked one inch in their shoes, much less a mile. Help us love well. We step out, God, trusting you, not ourselves, not in our own strength, not in our own power, but we trust you today, God. We need you. And this step of faith that we've made today down here in this altar is to acknowledge that. And maybe there's some here today who have taken this step of faith. And they've walked out because they understand and recognize they need a relationship with Jesus. God, if they're in earshot of my voice today, I pray in the name of Jesus that today will be the day they say yes. Yes, I will follow you. Yes, I will trust you. Yes, I will make a decision, God, to obey you with my life. Maybe I'm here today, and I used to do that a long time ago, but I, I just got away from you, God. Not listening much anymore, not, not abiding in you like I should. Or maybe today, for the very first time, God is prompting you to say yes. I pray you do it. I pray that you would acknowledge it. That you would turn from the sin in your life and you would say, God, I need you. I have been trying to do this on my own for so long. I've made every excuse in the book and nothing's working. I need you, God. I'm letting go of my pride and I'm going to trust you today. God, I pray that be the case. Lord, we need you. We begin a series next week, Lord, recognizing and understanding what the enemy does in our life. That the devil is real. He is a decided fact. He is a destructive force, but he is a defeated foe. God, may we live our lives like we believe that. 
Lord, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Guys, I want to thank you for being here today. Thank you for uh, loving me the way you do. I love you guys. It's just an honor to be here and, and to, to be in this season with you.